Adam Gomez. He's having some pretty serious health issues, and we ask that you pray for him. So please continue to pray for Adam. We put him on there a while back, but let's uh, keep him on there and keep praying for him. All right, we're in Ephesians chapter 5. That banner's been gone since VBS. The, the big one, yeah, because we had all of that decorations up there, and we got lazy and never got it put back up there. But you did finally notice. That's good. Also, another one, if you would put on there, uh, his name is Randy McKee. Randy was a good friend of Gary Norris's, and through that, he's become a good friend of mine. Uh, just through the relationship with Gary, uh, Randy was a pastor in New York, upstate New York, for a long time. Health-wise, uh, moved to Indiana, and he's having hip replacement surgery in the morning. So pray for Randy, if you would. Had known him for several years and finally met him last year at Tyler and Mackenzie's wedding. Uh, he was down there with Gary at the same time, so I was able to finally meet Randy other than on the phone. And uh, it was good to so pray for Randy. I know he would appreciate that. So, <clears throat> All right, we are in Ephesians chapter 5. Um, verses 1 through 12, if you, if you guys like a, an outline. Uh, this would be um, th this would be the Roman numeral one, if that's what you would like, and it's the Christian separated life in verses one through twelve, and then underneath that we would have uh, a big letter A, and first of all we would see uh, imitators of God in verses one and two. We already looked at that, and. Uh, and tells us there that we need to be followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. What, what we're seeing, if you guys remember, I know it's been a while since I've been in here on a Wednesday, but you have Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 give us a theological treatise on salvation and all of the aspects of salvation, what takes place, what God does, uh, what he's doing for all of us in salvation, and then chapters 4, 5, and 6 is applying that salvation to your everyday application of living uh, and how we ought to be living. And so here he's shown us that there is a separation that we need to have uh, with the rest of the world in, in the way that we behave, and we need to be imitators of God, but we also uh, need to be separators from the wicked and uh, separate from the lifestyle of the wicked. And, and then he, we went through the whole list of fornication, all uncleanness, covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become of saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, there are times when a believer can make a bad decision 
and can do one of these things and commit one of these, okay? That doesn't mean you lose your salvation. You, you, don't, you don't gain your salvation by works. You're not going to lose it by works. And so we always need to remember that. But this is dealing with someone who, whose lifestyle is habitually living in this type of a lifestyle, okay? So there, there are times when we make bad choices. There's times when believers are carnal and they're not listening to God and they're not obeying the scripture and they're going to make some bad decisions along the way. You're not going to lose your salvation based on your works. You will, if your faith is in Jesus Christ and what he has done, trusting solely and completely on his sacrifice for our sins, you have salvation. And don't, don't cheapen the love of God in that uh, he will pull away from you if I should go over sometime all of the things that take place. I think there are 31 or 32 things that happen immediately at your salvation. And if you are to lose it, then those 31 or 32 things that God does is going to have to take them all away and then redo it again the next day and, get, and, and take it away the next day. Uh, you see the battle that goes on? Uh, people need to understand that God wants you to know that you have salvation. And 1 John 5.13 tells us that. And so we, we need to don't cheapen the sacrifice that Christ has made. So don't cheapen it by thinking that he's going to turn his back on you. And don't cheapen it by living like the world when you ought to be living in a way that represents believers. And, and so that's what he's telling us. Uh, so far in these verses, and then we get to verse 6 and go through verse 12. This would be uh, your third letter. This would be letter C, stop representing the world. And so that's where we've, we have been. We, we uh, did six verses 6, 7, and 8. So let no man deceive you with vain words. A and here he, he's given us a command to stop. Be, uh, stop being deceived by these people with vain words. Um, and there are, there are all kinds of them out there. I, I'm going to give you an example of this. And, and I know uh, several years ago, uh, I think even Chad is the one that shared this, and I shared with him about this guy uh, later. I, I went to Bible college with a guy, and um, Greg Locke was his name. And he was a dorm student, and... Uh, very charismatic kind of guy. He had uh, given testimony that he got say he was a rapper, had was making all kinds of money. Young kid, I mean, he, he came to Bible college. He couldn't have been maybe 20, 21. He was a little older than some, but he wasn't very old, but had already made a bunch of money, been in the drug culture, you know, lived that lifestyle, supposedly got saved, went through Bible college, um, was a powerful preacher, and and was preaching the gospel, and uh, he got out on the road. He was an evangelist like Dwight and Paul and, and traveling a lot. And, uh, um, and, he, um, and, and he had some misfortunes with some other fundamentalists, and they uh, reproved him on some things. He obviously didn't like that. And so he gets off, takes, uh, gets off the road, and he starts a church just south of Nashville. And, uh, and, he, and Gary Norris helped him for several years. Gary went in, helped him get started, knocked on doors, did whatever he needed. Last time Gary went through there, he said, Greg, I'm seeing things that I don't like. I love you as a brother, but I'm, I'm not. I'm parting ways. 
because I can't, I cannot continue to come. And, and Gary was tight-lipped about it. He never told me what he saw. He just said, Greg's headed a direction we don't want to go. And uh, Greg wrote a book um, about the false teaching of Benny Hinn. Anybody here heard of Benny Hinn? And so he wrote a book on the false teachings of Benny Hinn. Well, since then now, Greg came out with a movie. He has uh, had a huge following uh, on, on Facebook, has a huge following on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, um, church now runs a couple thousand people. And uh, he sat down about a month ago and had an interview with Benny Hinn apologizing for disagreeing with Benny Hinn. And, and uh, I'm telling you, he's a false teacher, okay? Benny Hinn is a false teacher. Greg Locke has become a false teacher. And, and you sometimes people are offended when you name names, but we need to understand that. And in this, in just about three years ago, Greg Locke also left his wife for the secretary. And so booted his wife out, had, had a big fallout with the kids. The kids have been, well, you guys know how, how that's going to go. And so left his first wife, marries the secretary or whatever she was at the church. And now they're traveling the world, uh, calling them some kind of a, a demon assassins. And they're, you know, they're casting out demons out of people. And he's got his posse that goes with him. And it's just heretical. And uh, um, do I believe there's demons out there? Absolutely. However, the the gifts that Paul and those apostles had, we don't have the same gifts today. And the reason being is we have all of the word of God that we're ever going to need. And we need to rely upon the word of God and trust in the word of God. And but uh, he got caught up in all of that. And this is what he's telling us. Let no man deceive you with vain words. And, um, uh, you know, Chad had no idea when he was sharing some things. I, so I just called him, you know, and told him what was going on. He's all disappeared, you know. And we need to watch that. that. That's why it's so hard to, how do you vet people that all you do is watch them on TV or watch them on the Internet? I mean, you don't know anything about their lifestyle, you know. Nothing about their personal lives. You, you know nothing about their church that they pastor or anything like that. And, and let's be careful with those things that, uh, and because the devil is a whole lot smarter than we are. And he can deceive us if, if we are not careful. And here he's talking to believers, Paul is, and he's telling those believers at Ephesus, you need to stop being deceived. Okay? Don't be deceived with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And those children of disobedience are those who are resistant to the, to the gospel. They disbelieve the gospel, talking about unsaved people. And so with that, there, we need to be careful. Don't let unsaved people influence you in the decisions that you make. I mean, they have no idea the... They have, they don't, they don't have the mind of Christ. Now, I'm not saying that all of them are mean and and they, they are definitely misled because they're unsaved, so they're not believing the gospel. But they they still may love you. It may be family members. It may be some close friend. But you need to be careful because an unsaved person does not know the mind of Christ. And let's be careful with that. And 
it's going to bring the wrath of God upon people. And then he went on and, and he said here, uh, it shows us that be ye not, be not ye therefore partakers with them. It's another command to stop what they're doing. So obviously they were uh, uh, headed down a path that they shouldn't. So stop letting people deceive you. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Don't be sharing with them and running with them and, and uh, finding encouragement with them. I mean, we, we need to be careful with those things. And, and uh, then he goes on to explain why. He says, for you were sometimes darkness. There was a time when your heart was dark. There was a time when you didn't know Jesus as your Savior. There, there was a time when, when you were an unsaved person. But now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And so now we have a responsibility how we ought to be living. Is it easy to do so? No. I mean, you, you have your flesh that fights you. You have your mind that fights you. You have the world's culture that fights you. You have the devil himself who is tempting you and trying to get you not to do that. So you have four very formidable foes that are fighting against you, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, right? And so, and greater is he that is in you than even your own thoughts and even your own flesh and even your own pride. I mean, God is more powerful if we will trust him and walk with him. And, and so we need to do that. And, and that's another command telling us, walk, conduct your life as children of light. And so let, let us make sure that we are doing that. This, this world is full of darkness. This world is full of hatred and uh, anger and all of that. Let us be different. Let, let us be encouraging to those around us and, and being a little bit kinder to one another. And then that brings us to where, where we have stopped. Uh, we'll pick up now in verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. No one has the fruit of the Spirit except those that know Christ as their Savior. If you have Christ as your Savior, then you have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling in you. He came upon you at that very moment of salvation, never to leave you. And he will be there to convict you when you're, when you're making bad choices. He'll reprove you. He'll rebuke you. He'll correct you. He'll instruct you. And, and he will uh, make pleas to God when, when we don't even know what to say. I mean, he, he tells us that, in Romans chapter 8 also, that he will encourage us and, and, and uh, uh, assure our hearts that we are children of God. I mean, all of those things are uh, ministries of the Holy Spirit of God. And, and in doing so, as we walk with him, then you can go back to Galatians chapter 5, and it talks about all the fruit of the Spirit that, that we uh, have that we should be producing as we walk in the Spirit. And for the fruit of the Spirit and all of that that we are producing then is in all goodness. Whenever we think about things that are good, it's upright. I mean, it, it's honorable. I, I use honorable a lot. It's moral excellence, you might say. Second Chronicles 24, verse 16 says, And they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel both toward God and and toward his house. Well, that ought to be said of all of us. I mean, when, it, when our days are up, then 
then people ought to say that, you know what, he, he did good. And, and, and he did good towards God. He, he did good towards his own family. And, and he did good towards those around him. And let, let it be said that of us. And uh, Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 15, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Look, there, I'm, we all know this. There's, there's enough bad out there that we, we need to, we just need to show ourselves to be good, don't we? You know, I, the, the piano tuner was here today and, and uh, didn't give any kind of profession of, of faith or anything, just talking to him for a short amount of time. And, um, but I, I find it interesting. He, he lives in Denver, and, and, he, and he just said what we all know. He said, there's just a lot of angry drivers, isn't there? Well, they're not just angry drivers. They're just angry people. I mean, there, there's a lot of stress on people's lives. I mean, here we're paying four-something a gallon for gas, you know, $130 to fill my pickup, you know. It costs $101 to fill up the Durango. I, I mean, how crazy is that, you know, to, to think of the, and people get stressed out. You go to the grocery store, you know, what's one bag of groceries, about 50 bucks now? You know, you see somebody walk out with three bags, well, they just spent 150 bucks, you know. I mean, uh, the utilities and, you know, th things like that that are going on. And, and, you know, people are stressed out, and there's just not a lot of goodness. Well, let's be good. That, that's what he's telling us, you know. We, whatever the cost is, you ever given thought to this? Whatever, whatever the economy does and however bad it gets, God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. And what are those? Our house, our clothing, our food, the necessities that we have. God says, I got that. You just do what you're supposed to. And one of those is to be good. But then he also goes on and, and he tells it. Oh, in 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 11 and 12, it also says, Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I think sometimes we, we just want to spiritualize the, the presence of God in our lives, but, but really it's just the practical, everyday living and being good, kind and gracious to others around us will show more about who God is than anything. And then he goes on, and he says, not only that, but the, so for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, right? It's also in all righteousness. It's holy. It's upright. It, it is what it, what it ought to be. Just back to the page before this in Ephesians 4, verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness, and true, genuine holiness, right? And, and so here, it was even said in Luke chapter 1, in prophecy there, verses 74 and 75, uh, I think Simeon was the one that, that prophesied this, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days 
of our lives. And, uh, I mean, on and on does it tell us that. In, in Philippians chapter 3, in verse 9, tells that Paul writing this, And being found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And then Paul also wrote over in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, in verse 11, he says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and the, the love of money is what he was talking about earlier, and, and so don't covet the money and all of that, but, but, uh, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. <clears throat> and so that's the righteousness. And, and so let's uh, walk uprightly. Let people be able to see your faith by the way that you're believing, or by the way you're behaving, and by the way you're treating others around you, right? And then he goes on, and, and the third thing that he tells us in this passage is truth. Walk in truth. What is truth? Well, John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so showing us, let, let the Bible be our guidebook. Let, let it show us what it is that we do. Let the word of God dictate to us how we behave, the things that we do, how we do business, how we work, uh, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God, right? And, and so, and we do it uh, not to please man, but to please God. And whatever it is that we do, we, we need to apply everything that we're doing to the Word of God and, and making certain that it's the Word of God that, that uh, we're living by. When we do that, we will not be inconsistent. The word, of, the word of God is always truth. And if we will do our best to do according to what God's word says, then there won't be inconsistencies. It's when we try to justify our own behavior and justify what we're doing rather than doing what the scriptures say, then, then there's going to be the inconsistencies. Then there will be the hypocrisy. Then there will be the challenges that come from those around you. And uh, the truth is the truth and will always be the truth. And so... We need to walk according to that. When something is true, it's truthful, it's dependable, it's upright, and it's trustworthy. And this is to be in thought and in deed in everything that we're doing, right? Uh, Romans 13, 13, the very first part of that verse says, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. Just walk honestly. And walk according to the word of God. First John chapter 3 verses 18 and 19. John wrote, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. When you're living that way, you're assured of your salvation. When you start living carnally, the first thing that's going to happen when you start living in a carnal way, the first thing you're going to do is start questioning your salvation. I've seen it over and over and over. Someone who starts living in a carnal way, first thing they're going to do is now they're going to start struggling whether they're truly saved or not. 
And y- you know what you got to do? You got to quit thinking that way and start getting your heart right and stop living in a carnal way and live back in the way that you should. And as that First John 3, 18 and 19 says, uh, the, the truth, when we walk in the truth, it shall assure our hearts before him. And it's a simple way to have the assurance of salvation. And then verse 10, he goes on. And, and here he uh, uh, seems to me like it's probably another command. I don't know that I wrote it down anywhere. But uh, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. That word prove, when you prove something, you, you put it to the test, right? Scientists, if they're going to prove something, then they, they put it to a test, you know, and see if it, it holds up to their hypotheses or whatever. And they, so you examine it, you, you prove it. And, and what are you proving? You, you are walking in the spirit and you're doing so in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And this is proving not only to you, but it's proving to all the world what is acceptable unto the Lord. And so Romans 12 and verse 2 Remember Paul wrote, and he and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And what is acceptable? It means pleasing, right? The fruit of the Spirit is pleasing to the Lord. Fruit of the Spirit, in uh, as it says, in goodness, righteousness, and truth, will be pleasing to God. We prove to ourselves by living in obedience to God. That, that he's pleased with us. We, we prove to those around us by our testimony of obedience that God blesses those who obey. We as children of God are, are a light to the unsaved world and, and we make manifest what is good and, and truly what's bad. And the only way for us to not be light in the world is by hiding that light. And so let's not. Let's go out and let's Walk in the way that we ought to and prove God's goodness in our lives and, and show people what is acceptable to God and what is acceptable unto the Lord. And we ought to be displaying the fruit of the Spirit and uh, allowing God to uh, uh, show himself through us and through our lives. And then he goes on and he gives us another command. And he says, And have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And here it's another command to stop. These guys had been, uh, and if you remember, the, the church at Ephesus had some real struggles. Um, Ephesus was a tough city. And, and we know that by the time John wrote the, the Revelation, some 30-some years later after the book of Ephesians was written, we see that they had left their first love, Okay. They were really messed up by that time. But they're already being messed up. But they were dealing with some tough characters. Paul even said, he even compared some of the men in Ephesus as beasts. That's how violent and wicked and, and, and evil they were. And so they, but, uh, and they were being influenced. And he's telling them, you need to stop having fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And so don't be connected with or taking part in something or participating in something that that represents the evil world. In Revelation 18 and verse 4, John wrote, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. 
And so it has the idea of being a partner with the unfruitful works of darkness. You know, that, I, I guess that's why there are certain things that I, I think that we need to be careful with. And, you know, some people, what they'll want to do is, well, like music. Music is an example of, of what kind of music did you listen to when you're unsaved? You know, what, what kind of lifestyle went with that music? Real, really, think about it. What kind of lifestyle did the Eagles represent? What kind of lifestyle does, did ZZ Top? Now, I'm dating myself. You know, I, ain't know, I don't even know what the new people are. Even Justin Bieber is probably old by now, you know. But what did he represent, you know? I, I mean, think about it. Think about what Johnny Cash, you know, praise the Lord, I think he got saved and kind of changed some things in, in his, but, you know, Waylon Jennings, you know, the, the, the four, four horsemen or whatever they were called, you know, and Willie Nelson, what does he represent, you know, and I, I mean, we think about that, and so we, we stop and we walk away from that old lifestyle because that represents the drugs, the booze, the women, the the rowdy lifestyle, and, you, you know, and, and some of you, it, you know, whatever it was, you know, I don't know what it could have been, but here's what we want to do then. So we'll take that music then, but we'll change the words. So now we still have the same bebop beat of, the, of that lifestyle, and, and we can feel comfortable with that, but we've changed the words. And it just seems to me to, personally, it just seems to be a little hypocritical. And it just seems to be playing with fire where you are still having fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And, you know, it was described to me one time, uh, you can go to a nice salad bar and you can eat the salad and, and it's in a nice carrier and it's all pretty and everything. Or you can go to a salad bar and you eat it out of a manure spreader. And, and sometimes the carrier of the words is a manure spreader. And all it does is represent an old lifestyle. Now, I'm just saying, that's just one. That's just music. There, there's all kinds of things that uh, sometimes I think we want to hang on to what we used to be. And really, there, there isn't nothing there. There shouldn't be anything there that holds us back. And nothing that we want to be a part of in that. You know, let us have a different lifestyle. And, and here he goes on and he tells us, and I know I'm just a couple minutes over, but have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Then he gives us another command, but rather reprove them. You know, our world today is full of people doing all kinds of wickedness. There, there are, my wife was listening to something today and I overheard her as she was sitting there listening to some guy was interviewing a pastor and asked him, he said, so do you support the, the, the alphabet, you know, people or whatever? Yes, absolutely. Well, what's your biblical principle for that? Well, we need to love everyone. Okay, what's the biblical principle? The, where, where, do you get the, where do you get the scripture that that's love? And, I, I, I mean, we, we have gotten to that point where, if you reprove anything, then you're a hater. Well, God commands us to reprove it. God commands us that, look, if you're a liar, you need to be reproved. If you're dis dishonest in your business, you need to be reproved. If you're prideful, then 
The Holy Spirit is going to be reproving you. If you are acting out of pride, if your kids are acting out of pride, you need to reprove them. I, I mean, if, if somebody is, is lying to you, you reprove them. I, I mean, that uh, we need to reprove the, the, the wicked works of the world. And, and we need to stand and say, this is right, walk ye in it, and this is wrong. I mean, we, we're just blowing all the boundaries away and knocking all the walls down and saying, hey, whatever goes, goes, and let's all just love Jesus. Well, some of these people are loving a Jesus that isn't the Jesus of the Bible. And we need to stand and we need to reprove them. Somebody at works tries to convince you and tell you you must do this. Sorry, I, I'm not having fellowship with the un, the, the, the unfruitful and, uh, and the wickedness of darkness. I'm not going to. There are times when you have to take a stand against all the wickedness that's out there. And you just trust God. I mean, that's, and I know it's not easy, but that is what we have to do. And we haven't. And that's where we're at now. And then verse 12, I'll end with this. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. I, I heard this years ago. Someone had a, quite, a, quite a testimony of how God had saved them. And when they give their testimony, they go into depth a lot of all the sin in their life. And I heard an old pastor go to this guy and say, you know what, you, you, need to, you need to just go past that and, and not focus on the evil deeds that you did, but focus more on the grace of God and what he's delivered you from. And, you know, there are just some things, how many here would like to forget some of the things they've done in their past? Boy, I would. You know, let, let's, let's not name them. Let's not keep dredging them up. Matter of fact, let's put them down. And today is a new day. Today, we stand with God. Today, we walk with God. Today, we honor God. Today, we're going to do what God wants us to do and be good and righteous and truthful. And we'll find God to bless our lives. Let, let's stand and let's be what God wants us to be. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that it is. Knowing that, Lord, what you are commanding us to do here that you give us the power to take care of that and to do it and so i pray that you help us empower us and guide us tonight in jesus name amen god bless you guys you're all invited to hang around and have some ice cream we should eat before west gets down here and then we won't have to wait <laughs>